You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Why do you even want to coach? A lot of people have decided that they want to get faster, they want to, or maybe they're not trying to get fast, they just want to accomplish something and they want somebody who can hold them accountable. And a coach can really help with that. So uh, you can get through any race and you can also get faster and do all these things without a coach. You can do it on your own. It's a lot harder though. So if you have somebody who's been there that can help to structure the workouts for you, that can check in on you, that you can check in on and have these conversations, it can really help a lot to keep your motivation, to make sure you're doing things right, to change stuff up on the fly. If you have come up with a plan for yourself, it might be easy to to stick with that plan, but maybe really your, your plan should change as other things in your life come along and talking it through with a coach can help. That was Dave Mendelson. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with my friend, elite athlete, and top triathlon and running coach, Dave Mendelson. Dave has been a nationally sponsored runner for several years. Currently, he is sponsored by Gatorade Endurance, and he is one of the original coaches of the Empire Tri Club, which is how we met. I'm a huge fan of Empire Tri Club. Dave is a USATF level one coach and competitive distance runner and triathlete. He is also an official pacer for New York Road Runners and can be found pacing their half marathons, long training runs, and the New York City Marathon which he is officially a streaker as of this year. Dave is a two-time Ironman finisher with countless half Ironman, Olympic, and sprint triathlons under his belt. He is a seasoned road racer and has completed over 100 marathons and ultra marathons. Today on the podcast, we are talking about unlocking your speed and digging deep to get into that fifth gear and how to do it. We talk about building mileage safely to optimize training and the value of pacing, whatever distance or race. I asked Dave which race he thought was more challenging, New York City or Boston. I also asked him what his favorite marathons are since he's done over 100. And we talk about his adorable twins and how they both love running and how he has been coaching them as well. I'm sure you're going to love this conversation. If you do like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. On Apple, head over to your podcast app wherever you listen. Scroll through the Marnie on the Move episodes. Click on the five stars and then click on the tiny, tiny text that says leave a review. And leave a review. Tell us what you love. On Spotify, you can go over to the top section of the podcast, click on the five stars, and there's a new feature where we ask you a question about what you thought about the episode. Answer it if you love it. And finally, don't forget to share this conversation with your friends on social, wherever you like to get social. Now, on to my conversation with Dave. 
this is so awesome. Thanks for coming over to yeah. the Marnie on the Move studio it's in Battery been Park. A while in the making. You know, you're a coach, you're an athlete. So how did you get into triathlon and running? And yeah. yeah. Well, I think as as like a, as a young person, yeah, I was moderately athletic. I was in um, in high school. I was in track and cross country, but I was rather mediocre. I yeah. think at those things, I was one of those people like I never won anything. Um, I was like middle of the pack, but not back of the pack. But okay. I think the thing was that I, I never really, um, I never like practiced anything or I never really went to any workouts other than like the prescribed ones for the team. So I never ran on my own or did anything of that sort. Right. Um, and then, uh, so I was like, you know, but I was always somebody that biked everywhere I wanted to go or just was, you know, athletic. It's sort of like the bare minimum level. Right. Um, and, uh, but then as I started to get older, um, I started running more just like for a little bit for fun and stuff. Um, and then I entered like a couple little like one-off little races here and there, but nothing big. And then um, I was moving east because I'm from the Midwest. Um, and they, uh, I saw somewhere I came up with this idea that I should run a half marathon. Uh -huh. And it was the inaugural Boston Half Marathon. Oh, it was wow. like in 2001. Okay. It was a while ago. It was the first time that everybody knows the Boston Marathon. At the time, that was what they had, and yeah. they launched this half marathon. So I thought, that seems like an incredible distance. I'll try to do that. I had never run probably more than six or eight miles in my life. And um, so I started to train for that, and I ran it, and it was an awful experience. <laughs> um, I think by mile 11, I stepped down kind of funny and thought I must have broken my knee or done something. It felt really painful. And I pushed through it, finished it. But then I started to think like a lot of people, that was kind of fun. Maybe I'd want to do it again. Yeah. And I moved to New York. I was in Connecticut in graduate school at the time. I moved to New York and I started to run some of these like weekend races that this group, the New York Road Runners. Yeah. Had, right. Yeah. And uh, 5Ks, 10Ks, things like that. And after a little while of, of doing like every weekend some type of race, because I was meeting people in New York and being new in the city was a good way to meet people. Yeah. Um, I eventually, like a lot of people, got this idea that maybe I'll try to run a marathon. <laughs> and yeah, so, and I didn't know anything about running marathons. Right. But I had done, like, at that time, I thought I was like an expert runner because I had run, like, you know, 25 different 5Ks and 10Ks. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was like, you know, whatever, I could do it. So, uh, similar to the, the half marathon experience, the marathon was awful. Yeah. Um, like most people, I think I got to 18 and it was fine and exciting and it was New York, so it was great. Uh, and then it all fell apart, and yeah. I thought, this is the worst idea. Why did I even get into this? And I struggled through thinking, this is, I'll, I know I can, if I, I have to walk, I could, or if I have to crawl, but I have to keep going forward to get to the end anyway, so I'll just kind of make progress. Yeah. And I did, and it was fine. It was, you know, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't fast or anything. But then also, like a lot of people, after a couple of days, I started thinking, maybe that wasn't so bad. Maybe I should do it another time. Yeah. And I think at this point I've probably run a hundred marathons. Oh my God. So it's stuck. Right. Yeah. And it's gotten clearly. a lot better. It's not, it's not always pretty, but it's, uh, it's gotten faster. Yeah. And it's, um, I've run Boston a number of times, the actual marathon this time and not just the half. Yeah. And uh, a lot of other races too. Well, and you're also like a, an elite athlete and you have podiumed in several, yeah. uh, duathlons. Yep. So triathlons too. Triathlons too. Yeah, so yeah, talk so to me I think, about that. So that's the thing. I, after a while of running, I started thinking I needed to do some other type of like cross-training to, to just not only run all the time. Because, you yeah. know, like everybody, I get injuries and all the running, I felt like I was just setting myself up for something. So I, I got a bike. I started to bike. I knew how to swim. 
Um, and, but I wasn't like a competitive swimmer in high school mm -hmm. or anything or college. So I, I kind of got into that and I started using that as more of like, not really something I was planning to do a lot of races in, mm -hmm. but something to keep the fitness or to raise my fitness up even higher without right. having to run as much. And then I started to enter other, uh, triathlons, little like small things and like the marathon, um, I realized I liked more and more distances and started doing, you know, a couple of, in fact, the, the first triathlon I did, I remember getting out into the water and thinking, like I'd said, I know how to swim and getting into the point of being like, I actually have no idea what I'm doing. It was on a <laughs> lake. I think it was like Welsh or something up in Oh Harriman. my God. Okay. And you did was, Harriman. Yeah, yeah, it was cold and, um, I had a wetsuit, but it wasn't, I don't think it was like a, it wasn't anything good. It was like something, it might not even be It's so cold there. I don't think it matters. Yeah. Honestly. So, um, but then I realized I really was not prepared for the swim, but I, again, was like, I just have to kind of move forward. So I flipped over onto my back and I was like back paddling and I noticed a lot of people were still behind me. So I kind of had this realization that I use now also when I coach people, it's like a lot of people are new to the sport and they're trying to get into something and they want to start swimming, but they're afraid of it. You don't have to be the fastest or you don't have to be the best there's always going to be people behind you and you can improve over time. And I did. And after that race, I did start actually swimming in a pool and like practicing yeah. freestyle a bit more um, and not just taking it for granted that I would not sink. Um, right. And I got better at that too. So over the years, I have, like you had said, I've, I've podiumed, uh, I think I was second last year at the, the New York City duathlon. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was, they canceled the swim. The, the swim, yeah. right. Um, and I've put him at a, a number of other races too. Um, and I, you know, I, I guess I never think of myself as, as an elite triathlete or an elite runner, but I, I have, but raced. you win the entire race. Yeah, so, so, I mean, you yeah, know, <laughs> I, I have, I have won races. Yep. It's not just your age group. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. And I did, I did go to Switzerland, just to be clear. um, and race the, yeah. the world for du duathlon last September at Zofingen. That was exciting, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. Definitely being in another country, racing, it was hilly. It was longer than the, the race that I raced to qualify for it. Right. Um, it was almost iron distance for that duathlon. Oh, wow. Odd. Yeah, it's okay. like odd numbers with that one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, I think over the years, just doing all of this and working with other people and working with other coaches, um, I've I sort of learned to, to coach myself and I have gotten faster. Yeah. So I started coaching other people as well. I have some certifications and different, um, you know, coaching that I wanted to get just to make sure that I was giving people the right advice. Yeah. But a lot of it just comes from experience too. And so, so you started coaching, like when did you, used to, we, so we met through Empire Tri Club, which is where you yeah. work now as a coach yep. in addition to your other career. But this is one component of what you do, coaching yeah. athletes. Yeah. So how did you get into that? Um, so I was friends with some pretty like competitive triathletes. This is, you know, quite a while ago. Uh, and I was starting to do better. And like you said, winning some races and so forth. Yeah. So they were like, oh, you should um, start telling people more about like what you're doing to get faster and blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of people would come to me looking for advice. And I found that I was like really starting to get knowledgeable about all this. I had raced right. like hundreds of races at this point and done pretty well. Um, and so I realized through all these people that I was starting to help, maybe I should try to do something more official. Right. Um, and there was a club at the time called SBR. It was like yeah. an old triathlon club. And they brought me on to be a coach and an ambassador for that store. And, um, and that lasted for a little while. The club kind of fizzled away. But at the time, at the same time, the person who was running it 
she was starting up the Empire Tri Club. Oh, Allison? She, yep. So awesome. Allison asked me if I wanted to be a coach in this new club. And, um, and I think that was like 12 or so years ago. So I've been yeah. coaching with Empire ever since. I feel like your name had like even, because I think I started working with Allison like two years after she started Empire. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. I don't, know, we, I don't know if we met like in the park on bikes or something, but yeah, it's, that's, they're an amazing track club, uh, triathlon club. If, if you're a triathlete and you're new to a city to join the local triathlon club, even if you don't need necessarily a coach, like they have meetups and group yeah. runs and... Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Not everybody does need a coach, but yeah. I think everybody needs to find like-minded people. And, yeah. if, and if it's something that you're really thinking about or if you're already really serious about it, being a part of a club, is, it's great because it gives you the structure. Right. Even if you're not doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, you still have the club workouts and you know, you've got a lot of opportunities to meet people um, and also a lot of opportunities to find out about other races that you might yeah. want to do because there's always, there's so many different races, but with a club as big as Empire, there's always somebody that has done something that you might be interested in. Yeah. So, you know, it's a nice way to meet people, nice way to, to find, like, a, a fit. I was talking to somebody recently in the club who's particularly, she's very slow, always back of the pack. Okay. And she, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah there's I'm always, back of the pack. Right, I'm, and, well, I'm you're cool not back of the pack. But there's, <laughs> but there's all levels. To me, it feels like I'm in the back of the pack. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like that all the time. I mean, that's another thing, right, perspective, but yeah. Yeah, well, she was saying one of the things that she liked about the club was that, that at the workouts that she would go to, um, even though she was last, there were always people there that were like cheering her on and encouraging yeah. her and making her feel like she was part of something. And she was feeling like, I don't have to be this all-star athlete to still be an athlete. Everybody yeah. can be an athlete. They just have to go out and get off the couch and being in a club helps that. Shout out to our sponsors at Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is Colorado's premium provider of cannabinoid, functional mushroom, and adaptogen products. We all know that a complete night of sleep is essential when we're working towards optimizing our wellness and general well-being. Cured's Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing you get that full night of sleep every night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. The CBN extract is a lesser-known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant. These supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's natural sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM deep sleep. Cured's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBD and CBN create a synergistic whole body effect. When it starts to kick in, you'll notice every inch of your body starts to soften into a deeper state of relaxation as if you're laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Once you're asleep, Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM deep sleep into REM and back again. Some people can't fall asleep. Others can't stay asleep. And then there are those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what it is keeping you from true rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is your solution. Personally, I have problems falling asleep. And when I started using Cured a few months ago, the products have really helped me wind down and ease into the sleep zone. I also love their pet CBD treats. Another thing keeping me awake, the dogs. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners. You can grab Zen and CBN in the sleep bundle for an extra 20% off 
of Cured's already discounted pricing by visiting curednutrition.com slash Marnie and using the coupon code Marnie at checkout. Again, that's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash Marnie, M-A-R-N-I, and coupon code Marnie at checkout to save an extra 20% off. Improve your sleep, improve your life. One of the amazing things about the triathlon community and running community, I think, is that, you know, people people always want to, like, bring you up to another level, like other athletes, and they're always supportive and friendly, and you can go out on a ride, like my 9W rides, with people yeah. who are so much faster than you, and they'll, like, wait for you, check on you. Yeah. You know, some people have their own agenda, but even then, and then there's just, like, you know, everybody, especially triathletes, love to give, like, advice about gear oh, sure. and training. And so, and I, you know, I'm guilty. You know, if you go for a bike ride with me and you don't know about cycling, I'm going to, like, sell you, like, a new bike by the end of the ride. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love the community in New York. It's pretty awesome. So, since you are this super fast podiuming coach and athlete, I want to know, how the F am I going to get faster? <laughs> Yeah. What is everybody the secret to, to getting faster? Yeah, I think, well, you know, not everybody wants to get faster, okay. but I think most people that I meet want to get faster, yeah. even, though, even if they don't want to be the first or they don't want to win, or maybe they do, right? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a couple different ways that people can go about that. I do think that joining a club helps right. a lot because there are structured workouts that you can get, um, particularly something like speed work, right? So speed work is something that's, you know, it could be any type of thing. It could be hill repeats. It might be Bartlett's, it might be um, some type of pyramid type of thing, whatever it is, um, it varies. It's just hard to do it on your own because it's hard yeah. to get out and push yourself. I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a, a day where I'm supposed to go run quarter mile repeats and I might start off and think, you know what, instead of just doing that, I'm going to run 10 miles. <laughs> and that seems yeah. like that's you know accomplishing something. Um, and it's good too, but it doesn't serve the, the same purpose as the speed work would have. Right. So I think being in a club and having those structured speed works, speed workouts, that, that helps. So that's right. one of the, the main... And this is for, we can, like, because is it the same for triathlon and marathon, or is yeah, it... Definitely. Okay, yeah, definitely. Great. Yeah, either one. Right. So I, I think that the, the other thing to think about is that you don't want every workout, if it's a run or a bike or swim, to be a speed workout. Right. right. You should have some of those, but it should be a small percentage of what you're doing overall. And in running, a lot of times people talk about the 80-20 rule where 80% of your runs should be slow mm -hmm. and 20% should be faster stuff like speed work. Um, and I don't think you need to stick with 80 or 20, but the point of it is like the bulk should be slower and you should have dedicated faster workouts. And that could be right. also on the bike uh, or, or swimming as well. You just don't want everything to be fast because yeah. what happens if you're always pounding and going fast is you get injured. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so kind of going back, um, I think the structured workout that you get from a club, you could do it on your own, but a club makes it easier, um, or a coach is, uh, is the, the speed work is key. The other thing is the mileage that, that people need. Yeah. And you need to, if you really want to get faster, you need to run more or, okay. or bike more or swim more. Right. You need to do more of whatever you're doing. It doesn't mean you have to do it all fast. Like I said, a lot of it can be slow. Like for me right now, I, I run about 50 or 60 miles a week, right. and most of those miles are slow. And on Thursdays, I have speed work with the club, and that's the day that is, like, fast. And sometimes I will pepper in different variations to different tempo workouts, or maybe long runs will have some component of speed. But overall, 
it's really about the higher mileage mm -hmm. and the lower speed overall with dedicated speed work. So it's a combination. Right? And you have to really do the speed work. Like you can't be in that right. like a middle zone. Like it has yeah, to be yeah. zone Your speed four. work yeah. days. And that's why you don't do them all the time. Because then right. when you are doing the, the less frequent speed work, you can really hit it. So I do speed work once per week for, for running. And, um, and it's, it's hard. I know that day is going to hurt, mm -hmm. but it's going to be short. The, the workouts, are, you know, maybe I'll do like 90 seconds on running really hard, like a 5K race pace or, you know, like a, like, like a dog. Sometimes I say like a dog chasing yeah. after you or someone <laughs> recently told me they weren't afraid of dogs. And so I was like, well, what are you afraid of? They were afraid of clowns. Yeah. So I was like, all right, run like a clown is chasing you. So you <laughs> run hard, right? But it's not yeah. for a long period of time. You're not right. doing it for 10 miles. Right. Um, so that's the thing. You want to get into that gear and get your body used to the high turnover and the speed, but you don't do it all the time. And then the other times of the week, you do something that's slower and you just add that mileage on over time. What's the strategy for increasing mileage without getting injured? Earlier, I said that, that whole 80-20 rule where 80% of your workouts are slower and 20% are fast. There's also the, the rule of thumb a lot of people go by, which is the 10% rule. So the idea that you don't want to increase your distance each week more than maybe 10%. Okay. So if you're running six miles regularly, you're, you're at the point where you can run six miles without killing yourself. You don't over want the to course then, of a week. Well, say, yeah. say that it was yeah. over a week or even if it was one run. Okay. Uh, but you don't want to then go from the six miles up to 11 or 15 or 20 miles or okay. something of that yeah. sort. So you have to gradually go into it. So a lot of this stuff does take some time. It's not going to take years. I mean, you could, you could potentially take years to get faster. But if you're consistent, that's the other thing too. So yeah. you've got the, you know, the speed work on occasion, mm -hmm. um, the higher mileage, and then the consistency too. Yeah. So the, it, these things do take time. So you know, you're, you're thinking, I'm, gonna, I'm running six miles this week. Maybe next week I'm going to run seven or eight miles. And the, right. again, the 10% rule, it doesn't have to be 10. We don't have to sit here and think of the math. It's right. like 0.6 more miles or whatever. Well, I mean, it, but I, it's, it means not a lot. More. I go from 11 miles to 13 miles. Like I'll go from like 11 will be my. Yeah, 11 to 13 is probably but what fine. I really 11 should to be 20 do though. Yeah, no. Maybe. Yeah, not so But good. what I should be doing is not, I should be running like 14 or 15 miles on my long run if I want to get faster. Oh, eventually. Yeah, yeah, right. That's you know, the goal. But it doesn't need yeah. to, to start no, out. Not and it, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and it also depends like, you know, if, if you're, if you are training for a marathon, then yeah, you, yeah. you need to run more than 11 or 12 or 13 miles. Um, it's been done without running more yeah, than that, but Mac, it's harder. Yeah. But if you're running, if you're training for a half marathon or if you're doing, um, you know, like a half distance, iron, you know, half Ironman or something like that, or a shorter Olympic distance triathlon, yeah. you don't have to be running 20 mile runs, you right. just need to, you still want to get the volume of running, but they don't all have to be super, super long. I feel like with triathlon, you can get a lot of the volume on the bike, it's right? Nice. Yeah. So that's nice. But with running, it's like you actually have to run and it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's mostly true. Although so, some of the people that I coach, a lot of the people I coach might be training for a marathon, but they might also be triathletes or they're just people that also have bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times I will take that approach that I that got me into triathlon in the first place, which was the idea of cross training. So yes. you do, if you want to run a marathon, you do need to run, but you can also bike. Right. You can supplement some of the runs with, you know, maybe you have two bikes, two times of biking for an hour or something right. each week. And then you have other runs, but you don't have to be running every single week. Right. And every or single day. Or yeah, sorry. You do have to run every week. But not every <laughs> like day. every day. Yeah. But, uh, or same, like same with swimming. Yeah. So maybe you have, you know, a day, the day, maybe the day after your long run, instead of running again that day, which you could do, 
maybe you swim or yeah. you, maybe that's a day for like a, a one and a half hour bike ride or an hour long yeah. bike ride or something like that. It, help, it help works as recovery, but it's also going to keep you fit, right? Because you just need to get those muscles going. Do you feel like there's a certain amount of time that is a good amount of time to allocate towards increasing your mileage over time? Like, meaning... Like over mean, a, a period yeah, of like, like is some it type of six months or, or, or a year? Like, I don't think it's a year. Okay. Um, and again, any of this, like, if you continue to train and the consistency yeah. is the key thing and you have made it through a year, you'll definitely be faster than you were at the beginning of the year. But it, it won't take you a year to get that. I think that with any of these types of things, um, after a month or two of consistent training mm -hmm. and, you're, and you're doing it right, you know, yeah. not meaning like you're just kind of half-assed your yeah, training for totally. a month or two. But once you've gotten into the groove where you have some type of plan that you're approaching, after probably a month or two, you'll start to feel a little bit better. Maybe you've lost some weight. Maybe mm -hmm. you don't need to, uh, but you are noticing you just feel like you bound yeah. along the ground a little bit better. Or you might notice that your 10-minute mile is now like a 950 at the same type of effort. Yeah. Um, so after a couple of months, probably a month or two, I, I, the people that I'm coaching start to say, yeah, I'm starting to see something. I'm not seeing drastic changes, right. but enough that I'm now motivated to continue onward because it's like the, the little gains. Yeah. And then I think that around the three or four months mm -hmm. of consistent training is when people really start to see more of like more of the gains. Like for yeah. me, I've been, um, I was very lazy after the New York City Marathon back in November. I did almost nothing in December. Did you were a pacer at that marathon? I was, yep. Okay. Yeah. What pace group were you pacing? Um, I think I paced 340. Okay. Um, and it was one of the only times I didn't hit my pace, but most of the pacers didn't. It was just an awful... It was hot. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah. People most of the like time we hit passed pace. out. Yeah. yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I was kind of demotivated after that. Yeah. And, um, and I'd also just been in Switzerland for the, the World Duathlon. So I just felt like I had done enough. So I didn't really do much for December, didn't very really do much in January. And then, you know, February came along and I was like, wow, I really started to feel this, like the, the lack of shape that I want to be in. Yeah. And so I started getting back to, into a routine and um, got my mileage back up again. And now it's been, you know, now I think we're in May. So I feel like from sometime in February until May mm -hmm. of the consistency, I am now feeling it. So you feel good. I feel, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm really starting to like get to where I want it to be. I've recovered from a lot of the laziness yeah. that happened in December and January. Um, but the consistency has like, I've, I've noticed my times are a lot faster. Again, um, I've lost some weight and just, I feel yeah. like the runs are, they're becoming easier. Now a nine mile run in the morning has gotten a lot easier. And yeah. a couple months ago, it was like everything I could do to get six miles down. Yeah, I actually, it's so interesting because I have had something similar happen. It's like when I run by myself, like my heart rate is just used to being like 140, 145. And it's just like my easy pace. Sure. I cannot do, I cannot get it up over, you know, 150, 155. But during that race, I was crushing it in New yep. I mean, in the shape half, I was, I was seeing like sub 10 miles. Yeah. My heart rate was 160. Sure. So it's a 15 beat difference and it's a totally different zone, but I cannot get to that zone on my own. What's going on? What do you think? So, but you were, but so you're saying when you're, when you're doing when it I'm on by your myself, own, I cannot. it's hard to get into that extra gear. Yeah. Even during speed the race. Work, yeah. I can't get the gear. 
I'm just so such an analytical person that I'm looking at all these things, trying to figure it's, out what it's the funny you going say on. that. And I've told this to people a lot of times, even recently in conversations. I was talking to my son, who's ten. He started to run some races. I saw uh, that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I um, I was trying to explain to him that it's fun to do some sometimes just to do races, just to use those races as a training, like speed work. Yeah. Because if I go out, say I'm going to run in Prospect Park and I want to run a loop of the park, it's 3.3 miles, and I want to just really bang it out and hit it as hard as I can, um, I'm never able, I've never been able to, to run that park as hard as I can run it on any given 5K, assuming I'm trained okay for the right. 5K. But it's just, there's something about the race, just like running with a club for the speed work that yeah. I talked about. It's, there's something about being in a race and there's the people it's the energy the energy of and it the and there's the, the motivation and it's also so like for you if you're saying it's hard to get out of that zone two on your own or zone three but you can do it in a race i think that's really that Top, speaks yeah. volumes to being in a club or going yeah. to a club workout just dropping in here to give a shout out to our sponsors nick's biosensors as a triathlete i've always known having a proper hydration strategy is important for performance i've often had too much water on the bike resulting in a sloshy stomach on the run, and on occasion, not had enough electrolytes in my water. Creating an optimal plan hasn't been easily accessible until I discovered Nick's Hydration Biosensor. Many athletes think, drink when you're thirsty. The research shows athletes who practice this strategy are actually consuming about half the fluids they've lost during exercise, even in colder temps. And the margins are slim, at a level of just 2% dehydration, athletes can already start to feel sluggish and heavy-legged. Thankfully, I recently discovered the NYX Hydration Biosensor. This new non-invasive biosensor is worn on your bicep while you're running or cycling and quantifies fluid and electrolyte losses in real time during a workout. It integrates with Apple Watch and Garmin devices and is available on both iOS and Android. I've been using Nix for a few months now and I'm blown away by the personalized and actionable information it provides, including my own personal sweat composition, which helps to inform my decision when choosing electrolytes. Before a workout, I stick the device onto my arm and start the workout in the Nix app. Since I've been using it, I've had some of my best training sessions. Use my code MARNIE20 for 20% off on a NYX Hydration Biosensor so you can create your own personalized hydration strategy. Learn more about this revolutionary sweat science at NYXBiosensors.com. So I signed up for like the nine plus one. Okay. I immediately signed up for like nine events, uh, New York Roadrunners. Yep, and then you'll volunteer And I'm just going to volunteer. I'm volunteering next week, but I'm doing Brooklyn. I am, um, yeah, and I'm just going to run and make myself, like, put myself in these races every weekend. Yeah, it's a really good way. every other weekend or whatever it is. Yep. I don't know. And, that's, and that's, the, that's the nice thing about the races. They don't all have to be an A race. Yeah. You might just pick some. There may be, you know, maybe one or two races Like, every out, race out of the is going to be an A race. Yeah, well, in, in your mind, sometimes you're like, <laughs> I got to go faster. Why am I here? This is the opportunity. I'm but, not trying. But you really yeah. think about it. Like, there's, like, a couple that, are, that really matter to you. And then the other ones they still matter and yeah. you still want to do well. You're racing against yourself or you're racing against everybody else, but you will find that even if they're not your A race, that still that push from being yeah. a race is going to make you run faster and run harder. And sometimes you don't, sometimes yeah. it's just a crappy race and it could be the hot weather like New York last year or Brooklyn last year. Also the Brooklyn half yeah. was terrible. It was hot. Sometimes it just doesn't go well. You can't really yeah. control for that, but you have more of a chance, I think, to succeed in trying to run hard and get out of zone two if you're in a race or if you're with a group of people. Yeah. 
I'm really like that point has been like really driven home for me over the past few months. Like I always say I want to join a run club and then I never do. But now I really have to because yeah. I think it's going to be a game changer for me. It is. And the, the nice thing about New York or probably yeah. many big cities is like there's so many so many run there's clubs. There's so many. You go to any of like Fleet Feet or any of the different stores yeah. and they've got something that's going on or, you know, there's like. Lululemon has a run club. There's like, I think Nike used to have yeah, a every, club. Yeah, everybody has there. a run club. Everybody does. Yeah. My friends and I were going to start a run club, but I'm like, I need like a run club that's already started so I could just join in. Right, and pop like in. Find, yeah. I think the Roadrunners, the New York Roadrunners puts together yeah, group runs and stuff. I need too. something that starts at 11 o'clock in my neighborhood. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's it. I know. Just kidding. Ends with coffee. Yeah. What's on your race list coming yeah. up? What are you training for right now? Yeah, so ultimately, I think in the back of my mind, I have Chicago... As, You're doing the Chicago marathon. marathon. Yeah, Chicago okay. Marathon. It's not till October. So I have a lot of time. Actually, this is like a good amount of time. Yeah, um, six for, months. Yeah, something like that. I yeah. don't know. We're in May. Whatever that is. Yeah. It's October. Yeah. Um, no, I know. Because so I was looking at the New York City there's Marathon. There's the right <laughs> amount of time to train in yeah. the right, smart way for yeah. that. But between now and then, I have a lot of other things that are coming up. So I'll, this coming weekend, I'm doing a 5K that's out in Long Island. Um, okay. That's just Event like a power. small... It's um it is uh it's called the May Mile. It's, okay. It's a 5K, but they call it May Mile. Anyway, I'm running that one. It'll be a good test to see if what I'm thinking is like going to pay off the higher mileage for the like you know since February up until now at a slower pace. If it's going to translate yeah. into speed, so we'll find out. Um, and I think it will. And then I'm pacing the Brooklyn Half, what 140. You know, I've got some other triathlons throughout the summer, and um. And Which triathlons? Uh, I'm probably going to do Wyckoff, okay. which is in. Um, I think in uh, a couple of weeks or a month or something like that. It's an Olympic? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I signed up for the Tough Man Olympic in September. Okay. So, But I have to fill up the rest of those summer months. So. What about Muscle Man? I might. 70.3, yeah. though. Yeah, Muscle Man could be good. I've done that one before, years ago. Um, yeah, could be. All right, yeah. I need to find some more. You need I to still, find some more. Yeah, and I'll do, I'll do some other running races. That's like running has always been my background anyway. Yeah. So I, so I like to do those the, the most, but I need to do some triathlons. So too. really 100 marathons? Do you go back and do the same ones in PR or do you try to do like 100 different ones? Oh, no, definitely not at 100 different ones. Okay. Um, and those have also been spread out through some of them like, you know, in the Ironman or ultras that I've done. I've done New York, I think, 16 or 17 times. Oh, so you're almost a streak. Are you a streaker? I am a streaker. You are yeah. a streaker. Now I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they actually used to be... I think it used to be like 10 or 11. Okay. And then once I got to like eight, they moved it up to 15 or 16 or something. Anyway, this, whatever, I think this year, this last year was enough that I got into that because I started getting emails that I was like, oh, I don't have to enter the lottery anymore. Okay, because you can automatically. Yeah, but I always pace it, so it's, it's not a, yeah. an issue. Um, and Boston a number of times and just other marathons. Like Do you think Boston's harder than New York? Boston's harder for some people for, yeah. than New York, I think, because it's downhill to start off with. Like the first seven miles, it's downhill. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people with Boston, you know, you, you've gotten to Boston finally. And so you feel like you're really fit and you're well-trained. Right, because you qualify. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. not, maybe not. Yeah. But yeah. So for the, for the most, most of the people, I think 80% of them are there because they qualify. There's also like, you know, um, charities and so forth too. Yeah. So um, most people have to qualify. So they get there and they think they're fit. They're really great. They're the bomb because they, they're fast. I mean, I would think so. And they are, right? Yeah. So, but then the first miles, the first seven miles are downhill and they're pretty yeah. significant too. They're like, they really feel easy. So you're, you're fit and you're trained and you have the confidence of being able to be there in the first place and then you're going downhill. So you're pounding down those seven miles and it's yeah. effortless. 
And then later on in the race, you get the, the hills, which the Newton Hills aren't huge. They're not even, I don't even think, I don't know if they're even as big as Harlem Hill in Central Park. Okay. They, they seem big, but they're not. But they seem big because you've been going downhill for seven miles, pounding on your quads. And then later on in the race at miles, you know, 14 and 18 and so forth, when you have hills, they feel like a mountain. Wow. Okay. And yeah. So for that, that's why Boston's hard for a lot of people because you get to Heartbreak Hill and you've been going downhill for so long that when you get to this not giant uphill, it feels like a giant uphill. So how do you pace yourself going downhill? You just have to, you have to stick with something. So when I'm so pacing, pick a, pick a, uh, yeah, with, yeah, with me, for me pacing, when I'm pacing New York or something like that, or most races in general, I try to pick, I like to go by even pacing throughout the whole thing. Okay. So I'm going to go the same up a hill as I am down a hill. So it's going to be a struggle going up a hill, but it'll be like a recovery coming down a hill. So you practice that in training? I practice that all the time. Most okay. of my running, even without a watch now, if you run, if you see my runs, it's like eight minutes, 801, 759, eight minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes, 801. They're just always like right on. It's just, I've gotten used to it. And your body kind of gets used to like a certain pace or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And you can kind of stick with that. So usually I'll use a watch anyway. But, but I think with, with me as a pacer for the New York City Marathon, I keep everything even so that if somebody does want to, if they have a different strategy, and if they want to go up a hill easily and then down a hill fast, they will always be able to still kind of catch up to the pacer. Okay. So it, that works for everybody's strategy. But I do think a better strategy is to go even all the way out, or even better is to go a little bit slower at the beginning and go a little faster toward the end um, as for a negative split. Anybody that decides they want to bank three or four minutes at the beginning of a marathon and get that at the end, we've all been there. I've done that. Oh, that's so how I got that times. time. But I knew like it 13 miles for me was easy. It never like, works though. I didn't die. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. But I was fine with that. Like I just wanted to run faster. Sure. Like I was, I had a totally different non cool rookie athlete move agenda but i knew that 13.1 miles was easy for me yeah so right. i knew i wasn't like i and i also didn't care if i finished i just really wanted to run fast and you i'm tired of being you. slow yeah <laughs> i so, was prepared I, to walk but i yeah. think that for most yeah. for most people a smart strategy is to to, to do to succeed in the race and yeah. now this is probably not the same for like a 5k or something right. shorter where you just need to go fast um, but for the longer distances, the like strategy it should be to ease into it. Yeah. It's going to take your body a couple miles to get into the groove anyway. For me, I need to run like a half an hour before I feel like I've actually, like the legs now are going to go on autopilot right. and I can cruise along. And for a lot of people, a half an hour, your run is done, right? Yeah. It's not like we're all going out and running three or four hour runs all the time. So when you're doing something like the marathon or even a half marathon, you should start off slower and ease into that and then work your way up. You see how you're feeling at the halfway point. Can you go a little faster? Hold that for a little bit longer, whatever the halfway point is for you, if it's a marathon or if it's yeah. a half marathon. Um, and then ease into that. And so I think like for me, the fastest marathons I've had, the most successful ones have been where I started off not too fast and I eased into it. And at the end, I still had energy and I could kick up the speed. Okay. So you should either, you should target either being kind of even throughout the whole thing or negative split. Okay. But anytime you say, I'm going to bank three, three minutes at the beginning, yep. you're going to lose eight minutes at the end because you'll be exhausted. I've never done this, this before. I don't know. Like, I was just really excited, and I was in a pace group that was 2.15 okay. to finish in 2.15 or 2.14. I've and done that before, so in my mind, I could, could do, do that. And I just was like, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm in Central Park. Like, I'm not going to finish, so I'll have to walk to the finish. I'm yeah. like... 
because what happened was I was I had the strategy like all good athletes where you're going to do a negative split mm -hmm. or you start off a little bit like chill, save your energy and then use it later, or just kind of like settle into a pace. But I started out and it was like a little bit downhill, you know, in Central Park. So and I was with people that were doing like a nine minute mile and everybody was like I went with the energy of the crowd and everything in me was saying, stop, like this is bad, you know, but then I was feeling great and yep. I kept going. And I was like, I'm definitely not going to make it at this pace yeah. for more than a mile, right? I figured like by mile two, I'd be, no. And all the way to six miles, I was like holding this pace. Mm -hmm. And I kept trying to slow down. But then I felt like I couldn't slow down. Yeah. It was weird. So I just, I just was waiting for like, you know, the... For the worst time. Yeah, I was waiting for some shit to hit the fan. And like, yeah, like mile 11... You know, after like the west side of the park beats you up, like it's yeah. hard. The rolling hills that, you know, Harlem Hill is the easiest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I don't know how I did it. But I did see like most of my, so my average pace was 10, 15 on my time that there were two miles where I was back at my usual 11 minute mile and my heart rate dropped down. Huh. So I thought I was having a heart attack actually. Oh jeez. But I wasn't. But I know that that is like absolutely like the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it typically doesn't work for people. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. So I'm not going to try to replicate that in Brooklyn. You know, I think that, I just think that I was, you know, my old pace was a nine and a half minute. My old pace, like five years ago, right? When I was five years younger, was a nine and a half minute mile. Mm -hmm. And I could even do like a nine minute mile and an eight and a half minute mile. I feel like I just need to spend a little time getting back to that place. Yeah. But I don't, I don't feel like it's so far away. No, it's, yeah. it's not. I don't think it's... I don't think it would be too far. I think that I think it's just the consistency. If you do that, yeah. you'll get there. All right, just dropping in here to give a shout out to our partners, Athletic Greens and AG1. AG1 is an all-in-one nutritional supplement. It has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. And it's super easy to use. Just add one scoop to a cup of water daily. AG1 is my go-to for getting in the essential daily supplements I need. I take the travel packs with me wherever I go. AG1 is a small microhabit with big benefits. It's the one thing you can do every day to take great care of yourself. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, and it tastes great. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Marnie on the move. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Marnie on the move to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now back to our conversation. The advice that you're talking about running even throughout the whole race is really interesting. And that's like something that probably isn't so easy to do right because right it requires a lot terrain of, changes yeah that's true like maybe like the easy thing about doing that when yeah. you're a pacer is that you're typically running significantly slower than what you could run anyway so if you're right. pacing a 330 marathon you could probably run a three-hour marathon or something like that or maybe 20 minutes faster so um it's you are slow you are intentionally running slower it's easier to keep your pace even if it's not a super hard super fast run so, you know, for the pacers, 
we're I think I think I probably speak for all the pacers that we're all yeah. we all pace with the same the same strategy that you're going you know straight all the way through like right. you know regardless you're of the hills it. yeah it's going to be an even pace all the way through um, but we're all running easier than what we could so it's easier for us to do that than for you running with me if I'm right. your pacer it's going to be harder for you but the nice thing about running with the pacer is that the pacer will do all the thinking for you so, you so all have you have to, to do is just run you have to stay by that person yeah. you don't need to look at your watch you don't have to worry about whatever they will hopefully tell you dumb stories yeah. I talk the whole time through and oh, people my are, God. I'm always afraid people are tired of you know whatever story I'm talking about my kids or some anecdote about a different race or whatever it is uh, or sometime when I was super cold and this horrible thing happened um, but people like that because that just takes yeah. their mind off their running. So they're not like, oh, my God, my leg hurts or, oh, we're at 16. I still have 10 more miles or whatever. Yeah. They just don't have to think about that. So when you run with the pacer, they do all of that thinking for you and talking. Yeah. How do you train to run evenly? Like, do you go with your slower speed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, how I do think you so. find I the average? Yeah, I um, so like I said, so I am think, I getting too detailed? No, <laughs> well, I my think, listeners are like, uh, we just want to start running. Tomorrow. No, but well, I, yeah. people probably want to get faster. And I think that, yeah. that your question is to, to sort of unlock how to do that. Yeah. And I think the the way to do that is, like I said earlier, if you're 20 percent of your runs are faster and 80 percent are slow, the slow doesn't mean that you're like walking or whatever, but right. it just means it's it's slow for you. It's right. like whatever you are running, you could be running faster, but you're intentionally not. And the more that your body gets used to doing that, you'll find that it's easier for you to figure out what's that right pace for me. Mm-hmm. And I know I could be running 20 or 30 seconds a mile faster or whatever, but I'm not going to. Then you'll find that it's easier to not fluctuate so much. Because part of the reason that people are fluctuating in their pace when they're running is I'm running really hard, but I yeah. can't do this 740 pace for yeah. too long. Now I need to back up to an 830. And the next thing I know, I'm in a nine because I'm burned out. Right. But if I was running at you know, a minute or 30 seconds or so slower than what I could have comfortably been doing, I will find that I can continue to do that a lot longer. Um, and it'll also translate into longer runs. So maybe you're running six miles and that's where you're running, but you want to increase your mileage. So if you slow it down and try to run seven, you may find that that actually works easier for you. And over yeah. time, you'll get faster because you're running more miles. It's, it, you know, the, the it, volume adds up to, to speed. So it's it like, to be fast. it's perspective too, right? Because like you basically trick your mind into the perspective of the more you're doing, then the less is easier so you can go faster. Yeah. And so that's kind of how you bring those two things together. I think so. So I, I've been reading a lot about slow long runs because that's, yes. you know, no, what I've been focusing important. on. Yes. And they talk about the increase in mitochondria in your blood and all these different types of things, the benefits yeah. of the long run. Um, and But basically the net of it is that you're just building overall endurance. By yeah. running slower, you're building endurance. So you can run further and eventually you'll be able to also run faster. Yeah. The, the mileage that you are building and also you're not getting injured, hopefully, because right, you're running you're slowly. slower. Yeah. So, right, yeah. So an, another example of all this is is when I pace the marathon, if I'm pacing 340 for the marathon, I'll finish that, and the next day I'm fine, typically speaking. Right. What's your and marathon pace typically? Like, what do you if finish I, If I was to run on my own right now, yeah. probably around three hours. Three I'd hours. Like to, um, for Chicago, I hope to go under. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I don't want to put anything out there yet, what it's going to be, but we'll see. But I'll pace New York at 340, and the next day, if all goes well, um, I'll be fine, and I'll be able to play soccer with my kids or run right. or do whatever. If I race New York and I'm going faster than 340, the next day I'm going to be like everybody else that's walking down the stairs backwards yep. and hobbling around <laughs> and it's sore because yeah. the, the beating, it's the same distance, 
But the, the time difference is just so much harder on the body, the pounding, and that translates into your long runs too. So when you're doing your long runs, say you have to do a 16 mile or an 18 or a 20, if you're going a lot slower, the next day you were going to feel a lot better. Right. So it's, yeah, that's great. That's great advice. And now for beginners that are looking to kind of just get started, because I don't want to ignore everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're training for a marathon, it's the same concept. I mean, right? It's just less volume. Like you don't build as much if mileage. If you're just training, if you're, so a beginner. Like yeah, like you've never done just, a marathon. You've never done a half marathon. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're you just training want to for run. the marathon. Yeah, I've had a lot of people say they're doing the marathon in November and they just like. And they just started. Yeah, That's just fine starting too. to run. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, take it easy. I think that when people are starting off running, they think they have to run the whole time. The first time I ran the marathon, I thought, in many marathons after, I thought, Failure in the marathon wasn't not finishing it because I knew I would finish. It was walking. I thought that was the failure. (laughs) I have walked in a lot of marathons since then. And, you know, a lot of distances I've walked. I still finish it. I no longer think that that means a failure. The failure is like not showing up in the first place. But the point of this is as you're starting off, it's hard to run and it's hard to run the whole time. So don't be afraid to walk. A lot of people plan walks intentionally into their runs. There used to be this um 60k in central park that yeah. the roadrunners did the knickerbocker and then i think they renamed it the 60k which is very yeah. exciting um i used to plan it was a it was a continuous loop like nine loops of the four mile loop i think i've heard of this yeah, yeah. so i've done that one a number of times and and the first time i did it i just ran it all out it was miserable but then somebody had told me you need to like plan a walk every it's a four mile loop so when you're coming around there's an aid station walk that aid station from the first time you're going around it so like mile four so you come around to the thing and you intentionally are walking so and then you start running again you go through the yeah. aid station you take in your gatorade or water or whatever maybe eat something and you start going but the point of it is if you're running 60k which is like 37 miles no one that has trained for that is going to get to the point where it's four miles and they have to walk but yeah. a lot of people have chosen that they're going to and it's right. a strategy for a lot of people and that's the same when you're running when you're starting out don't be afraid to walk if you are training and you can run barely three miles, maybe what you need to do is run a mile and a half and give yourself a minute to walk or 30 seconds right. and then start again. And then over time, you'll find that you might not need that walking or maybe you'll be able to run four miles now and you know, and halfway through right. your walking and then you're running six miles and halfway through your walking and blah, blah, blah. And it yeah. stretches on. So don't be afraid to walk. And, and you so, don't have to do a marathon. No. Like, right? No, like well, you, you don't have Everybody to do races. Should. Like you, what do you love about running? I love the fact that my brain turns off yeah. I'm very lucky that uh, that I can run for a really long time without getting bored. Yeah, and that's I think that's the the biggest challenge for a lot of people. It's not not even that you know it hurts or my knees are sore or whatever, but they just get bored. I, yeah. I coach some really top level athletes that don't like to do long runs because they just get bored. And so a yeah. lot of those people, they will do maybe they'll do some long races, but maybe they focus on shorter races because they just like the long run sucks. For me. I will go out, like I was running yesterday and I got to 11 miles and I wanted, to, I felt like I, should, I could just keep going forever, but then I was like, I have to go to work. Yeah. So do, I, you, do you listen to, to music? No. Sometimes, um, but most of the time not. It just, I think yesterday I might have been, I think I was, yeah, I put on like some old Journey or something. Yeah. It's like, and then Queen, I don't know where it came yeah. from, but pumped me up. Most of the time I, I don't run with music. And now your kids are running, you were My saying. Kids you, are, have yep. two, you have a My daughter twins. and a son, yep, twins. Ten, year, 10 years old. And they're both doing 5Ks in... Yeah, I hate to even say it online because I don't want people to like the backlash. But, but yeah, they, so they, they run Why? a lot. Well, my son ran a half marathon. 
and um, he's 10. That's great. Well, it's great, I, I but mean, a lot of people are like, people that's too, people too, much are, too much for the, that young age, whatever. Uh, but he had trained with an older friend and with me. This, this and older he wanted kid. to do it. He wanted like to do it. It was of it. his own volition yeah. and choice. Yeah. Yep. I thought that he would make it. It was, it was a four-loop course. I thought he would make it to, I knew, I knew he could get two loops because he had trained with me and this other kid. Um, and I was like, but I bet knowing him, he'll go for three just so he can like save face and look cool for the older kid. And we got to three, and I was like, all right, you can stop now. This the family is over here. You can put, peel off whatever. He's like, no, I want to keep going. And so he did. So he ran. We ran in like two hundred one. And does he love it? He loves it. Yeah, but you know, he also he runs a lot with me, and he's he plays soccer at like a pretty competitive level, especially for his age. And he's running all the time. And he's in his. Luckily, his school has a track club, so he does a lot of running. So it's not yeah. like he just woke up and decided he would go run 13.1 right. miles. That's so cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And That's my daughter's like... the same. She, um, she, she hasn't run that far, but she does a lot of 5K races, and she, you know, she's into it as well. Yeah, and it's such a great – the running community is so great for kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, there's so much around here. There's so many races that they could do. Roadrunners has their youth program. Yeah. And um, a lot of these races you could just roll into, and kids can race. So what was your favorite marathon? Like, do you have a favorite? I have to say New York because really? I'm in New York and yeah. it was New York was my first and it and it is true I think New York is my favorite but I really also like Boston it's yeah. hard not to like Boston I have a Boston yeah. jacket here oh um, yeah that's yeah, cool this is from 2011 wow. and yeah in Boston is great because it's like the it's I've heard it called running's victory lap Mm-hmm. or whatever there's a lot of different you know people are like it's the big crowning achievement and yeah and it is when it's you run boston I, yeah you feel like you really accomplished something and it's great in boston it, it is a good course the fandom is not as big as new york there's not nearly the crowds aren't nearly as good um it has great crowds though and it's yeah. just it's hard to not enjoy running boston but new york though there's literally millions of people that come out to cheer it's like the time that you as as a, as an amateur runner and amateur athlete that you get to be a professional athlete for the day you know you're like starting out in staten island in the athletic village and there's like thousands yeah it's amazing tens of thousands of people there's announcements going on they're in all kinds of different languages you feel like you're in like some like different planet it's really crazy yeah yeah it feels good so i mean you don't really get that Outside of the major marathons, and New York is definitely the and best one. How many times have you done Chicago? I haven't done Chicago yet. Oh, you haven't? Nope, this will be my first time. Yeah, so that's, um, it's flat. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. And windy. Well, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be a non-windy day. Sorry. Yeah, we'll see what I happens. I state the obvious. I know, I know. I want to do that race. I would love to do Chicago. So I'm trying to BQ. Yeah. Uh, so this is the beginning of that, me running and getting my mileage up. I don't know what race I'm going to be queuing. I mean, I wanted to do the Hamptons Marathon out in September, but it's on the same day as the triathlon I'm doing. So that would be tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough to do them both on the same day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think for a lot of people that, that want to be queue, yeah. there's, there's a number of strategies. Obviously, you need to get your runs in. You yeah, obviously I have need to, to be get the 350. And all these types of things. And there's a lot of different um, workouts that you could do that will help you predict your time. Yeah. But the other thing that you could do is kind of try to stack the race. Like you can find a race that is flat, like Chicago, yeah. windy, like you said. Um, or you can find uh, there's a race up in the, the Hudson Mohawk Marathon up okay. in by Albany. It's, uh, it's like slightly downhill. The first 13 miles yes. are downhill. I've heard of the downhill And then there's races. like a little bit yeah. of an uphill and then the rest of it is downhill. That was the first time I think the first, I think that was the first race I got a BQ at. And so you, there's actually lists, lists out there. Places. 
that you can go to that say, this, the, here's like the top 10 marathons for the percentage of people who get a BQ. Yeah. And you usually note that those are like slightly downhill. Some of them are really downhill. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to stack it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I signed up for the Paris Marathon in April 2024. Nice. So I don't know that that's a BQ course, but I just figure I no like, I, I mean, I feel like running for me has always been about like exploring new places or mm-hmm. running a place that I really, <clears throat> that I really like that I want to go to. So yeah, that's how I do triathlon. You know, it's like I pick places that I want to ride my bike and swim oh, and that's a great that you idea. couldn't do any other way. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's probably the way that I want to structure my vacations Yeah, is to like find, like triathlon. I was in Switzerland last yeah. year. My family wanted to go to Switzerland and to Germany anyway. So luckily the race I qualified for the, the world championship was in Switzerland. So we made a vacation out of it. I raced um, a half marathon in Rome one time. Oh, that's and cool. Yeah, it was great. It was just like, you know, these different destination places that you go, you're going to be there anyway. And the best way to see a city or, yeah. a, you know, wherever you are is by foot. Right. Yeah, so totally. find a race wherever you're going on vacation. Yeah. Then you can just eat gelato the rest of the time. Totally. Oh, my God. This is so awesome. Now, do you have any like do you have any thoughts on strength training? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> strength. It's I'm just saying like, I you know, since you're a running coach and we're talking about swimming and cycling. Strength training is is one of these areas that's really overlooked a lot in running. Yeah. You don't see a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger size. I mean, other than me. With you. The yeah. No, you're Most like runners ripped. are pretty thin. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I think it's, you know, we don't really, we don't necessarily think about strength training. Um, strength training, I think, is important for a lot of reasons. I think it will yeah. make you faster. You don't need to bulk up and get huge. But we are running in like a straight line, you know, some turns and stuff. But right. our, our exercise is like on a, like this, you know, like backwards and forward type right. of plane. And there's all these other muscles that are getting underused and underutilized because we're not moving side to side and we're not lifting and doing our core and all this. And that, and that lack of, of um, other, the other planes and the other muscles um, often leads people to injury, right? Yeah. So I think that strength training, it will, if, you, if done right, you can yeah. definitely get faster from that, but also really prevent yourself from getting injured. Yeah. which also will make you faster because if you're not injured, you can run more, you can right. bike more, do whatever. And mobility work too, yeah. right? So like core, that's, yeah. yeah, mobility is very good. Um, but then the other thing is like the core. I think uh, the people that I coach, I always have two days a week that I have some really good prescribed core workouts that they're supposed to do. They can do, some people will do, they'll go to the gym. They like to go to the gym. Some, some people do yeah. um, that I coach. So they'll do that, whatever. And I just have them focus on like, just make sure you're doing a lot of core work. The core is yeah. like, you know, your abs, your back and everything like that, because it's obvious that I mean, the word is core, but it is mm-hmm. core to your whole function, yeah. right? Everything that is moving comes from that center of your body and you'll be more efficient again, less likely to get injured. Um, and all of these things, you'll run faster if you do this, if you focus on core work. Awesome. So it's strength training. What are your thoughts on hiring a coach and how do you know who the right coach is for you? And yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great question. There's no, no coach is going to be perfect for everybody. Right. I, I've, I have had um, calls with people, potential clients that I was like, I could tell right away it wasn't going to work with them or, or I would just be honest about my style of coaching and they would be like, that's not really what I need. And a lot of times we click. And yeah. so, you know, I think that the first thing to do, why do you even want to coach? A lot of people have decided that they want to get faster. They want to, or maybe they're not trying to get fast. They just want to accomplish something and they want somebody who can hold them accountable. Um, and a coach can really help with that. Yeah. So uh, you can get through any race and you can also get faster and do all these things without a coach. You can do it on your own. It's a lot harder though. 
So if you have somebody who's been there mm -hmm. that can help to structure the workouts for you, that can check in on you, that you can check in on and have these conversations, um, it can really help a lot to keep your motivation, to make sure you're doing things right, to change stuff up on the fly. If you have come up with a plan for yourself, it might be easy to, to stick with that plan, but maybe really your, your plan should change as other things in your life come along and talking it through with a coach can help. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's, that's the, the thing. I think people, a lot of times people find coaches through clubs. Like mm -hmm. my, my club has, there's I'm in at least a half a dozen of us who coach outside of the club or, you know, athletes yeah. in the club, one-on-one -on -one coaching. And we all have different styles of coaching. Some yeah. of us are like really hard, like the drill sergeant mm -hmm. who's going to yell at you, make sure you do exactly what they say. And at the end of the day, you'll probably hit your goal or maybe even, you know, go past it. Really great coach. Um, but sometimes people are like, I don't want to get yelled at. I just yeah. want somebody who can help me, you know, along the way. And my style of coaching is more of like, I will work with somebody. I understand that most of the people I coach, they're not professionals. Right. Right. So they're, they're regular people that want to get faster and they have goals and they have a life. Maybe they have kids or they have to walk their dog or they right. also, or maybe they're young and they just want to go out and, you know, still live their life. Right. So I try to plan all that into their coaching as well. That's so, smart. Yeah. Into their plan. So. Um, I recognize that they don't need to be yelled at, but they want someone who can keep them accountable. Right. And they could check in and they'll say, they'll text me like, look, this is my workout. And I'll look through it and say, oh, this is great, but you could have done this, you know, differently or, you know, what, what happened here or, you know, excellent. We're going to change things around because right. it looks like you're faster than we even thought. I do think it's really important to be accountable to someone. That is my personal successful strategy is to have someone who I'm either meeting for a run or that's giving me a training program or a plan that I can be held accountable to. So I get that. I think it's yeah. super important to have a coach. Yeah. And I think that people, if they're thinking about a coach, they have to think realistically, am I somebody who can be coached? Yeah. I just, yeah. Cause right? I was saying, or do I'm I even want that? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's maybe not for everybody, but I think that probably anybody could benefit from a coach. You just need yeah. to get the right coach. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been super, super awesome. So thank you, Dave, for being on the podcast. This was so awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to run with you in Central Park. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com, for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. <laughs>